This is the show for missionary disciples who worship Christ in the Eucharist and serve Him and their neighbor, for whom the words of the Creed reverberate through their daily activity. This is the show for those like you and me who make the conscious choice each day to follow Christ outside the walls. Well, we've brought this up before, but the name Outside the Walls for this show comes from a couple of ideas. The first is the idea that the church has to be a missional church. And specifically, as we were naming the show, uh, this quote from Pope Francis was was strong in our minds. Uh, this comes from Pentecost back in 2013. He said, we must always begin with the truth. The church must step outside herself to go where? to the outskirts of existence, wherever they may be. But she must step out. Jesus tells us, go into all the world. Go, preach, bear witness to the gospel. But what happens if we step outside ourselves? The same as can happen to anyone who comes out of the house and onto the street. An accident. But I tell you, I far prefer a church that has had a few accidents to a church that has fallen sick from being closed. So we have to be a missional church. We also have to be a grounded church, one that knows who we are and where we came from. And so to to visualize that, I, I thought of the church, St. Paul outside the walls in Rome, the basilica that has these beautiful mosaics all the way around the top of all the popes we've ever had. So that's our connection to history. We have to be moving towards the future and in mission, but we also have to be connected to the past and rooted in our identity. And so I bring that up because that first quote, the one from Pope Francis about going outside uh, and it being dangerous, that that's where accidents happen. That's where, uh, you know, you walk out in the street and you can get run over. And many of us prefer the safety of the known. Yeah, we, we, we get ourselves into a place where we are comfortable and protected and safe. And Christ calls us out of that into dangerous places. And and not just us, he has a track record of it, right? You look at, um, you, you look at St. Peter, who they are crossing uh, uh, the sea in their boat, and a, a storm comes up and Jesus walks on the water out to them, which is not something that you would normally see in your everyday life. And, uh, and the disciples cry out and say, well, it's a ghost. <laughs> and, and someone says, it's the Lord. And so Peter, being who he is, Peter says, if it is you, Lord, call me out on the water. And I'm thinking, well, there had to have been some kind of certainty before because, you know, wouldn't, if it was a ghost, wouldn't it also try to call you out onto the water? Um, and yet there was some sense of certainty that this was, was the Lord. And so God, Christ calls him out onto the water. He says, come. And so Peter steps outside of the boat where it is dangerous because they are in the middle of a, yeah, a storm. Um, and he does, and he walks out on the water and he keeps his eyes on Christ and he walks until he begins to get distracted and worried by the waves as, as is kind of human nature. Um, and then he begins to sink and cries out and, and he gets saved. And you know the story. You know, I think a lot of times we give him a bad rap uh, because he got distracted by the winds and the waves. And wouldn't you just gaze at Jesus? 
listen, um, I went to an eye doctor recently uh, and they they put drops in my eyes and they said, you know, keep your eyes open. And I can do that pretty well. But I tell you, no matter what, there is a response to stimulus that your body overrides your will sometimes. And uh, they were able to, to do what they needed to do. But my goodness, you say, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep these eyes open. Uh, and they just say, no, there is a drop there. I am closing them now. Uh, and you get overridden. So here we have Peter out on the water, and he uh, he gets distracted by the winds and the waves. And how often you and I do the same thing. We can look at Peter and say, well, I, I would have done better. I would have walked on that water like a champ. And And the truth of the matter is, even with the presence of Christ, even with Christ physically manifested right in front of him, uh, he did probably as well as any of us would do. We have so much grace given to us in the Eucharist. We have so much grace given to us uh, with the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit given to us at baptism and sealed in us at confirmation, and we still have trouble, right? We still get overwhelmed and anxious and distracted by the winds and the waves of our everyday lives, and we lose focus. We, we become internally focused, whether it be as a church or as an individual, right? We turn our attention into ourselves and try to maintain what, what we have in some sense of comfort, and Christ is calling us out onto the water. And so here, as we are in the middle of the year, right, 2020, if you have been around social media at all, there are all kinds of memes about what kind of a year this is, and and it's a hard year. And it's a specifically hard year because we are being told to shelter in place, right? We're, we're being told to limit uh, our going outside. And so there has to be some kind of, of a balance that we draw between um, the, the physical isolation that we are meant to continue and the creative nature that we have within ourselves to still, in that confine, be able to go out and to evangelize, to go out and to, to share life as much as it is safe to do. So here we are. Um, surrounded by the winds and the waves of our lives. And we're being called to step out. And I think that this is an opportunity, as, uh, as everything is in turmoil, to really take a hard look at who we are and who we have become individually and as a, a church and as a society, and to reevaluate our priorities to ask ourselves if the way things have been is the way they should continue to be. But all of this uncertainty, and, and make no mistake, there is a huge amount of uncertainty. All of this uncertainty just naturally creates anxiety. People who have had anxiety for years find that increased these days. People who have never experienced anxiety are beginning to get a taste and a feel uh, for for what comes with that kind of uncertainty. And so in all of that, um, we're today going to talk about 
seeking peace and battling worry, battling anxiety within ourselves. And so I want to share with you a story about my own experience with this revelation from Scripture. Um, I was walking along one day. I was uh, in Protestant seminary shortly after 9-11, and I had just heard a news story about the creation of uh, the Office of Homeland Security. And I was wrestling with this question. Is it better to be safe or to be free? Is it better to be safe or to be free? And that's a a difficult question that we ought to take time to listen to. Um, There are plenty of people who will promise us safety. There are plenty of people who will say, you just sign over things to me and I will keep you safe. But this isn't what we have been called to. We've been called to uh, to a freedom for one another, right? It's not just a freedom for ourselves, a, a freedom for the sake of the good of one another. Um, and in this, uh, I was reading this passage uh, out of Philippians, and you've heard it before, but I had a revelation about it, an epiphany that that I believe uh, was at least important to me at the time, and I th- and it stayed with me. So I'm going to share it with you today. Out of Philippians 4, 6, we hear, Have no anxiety at all, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, what stood out to me about it that day was the way in which it is addressed. Have no anxiety at all is an imperative. You, the understood you, you have no anxiety. Don't be afraid. This is a command. It's not a suggestion. Hey, it'd be a good idea if you had no anxiety. Hey, really, there's no reason to have anxiety. No, he, Paul says to the Philippians, do not be anxious. Have no anxiety at all. But in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So look at the thing that is causing you anxiety today and take the energy from that anxiety and take it to prayer. Make your requests known to God. So today we're going to explore this idea a little bit more fully. What does it mean for us to seek peace? How do we find peace in the midst of this anxiety-inducing era, age, hopefully something a little bit shorter than that. Hopefully the end of this protracted season of anxiety will come to an end. But if it doesn't in a, in a quick manner, how do we combat the anxiety that life throws at us? We're talking today with Allison Jingris, who is uh, many things. She's a media geek, self, self-described. Uh, a, a mom, she works three jobs because that's that's what moms do, right? Uh, she works with the, the Diocese of Fall River. She works with, uh, with wine, but not that wine. She works with women in the new evangelization as their wine steward, which um, I'm sure we'll hear a little bit more about. You can find out about wine over at catholicvineyard.com. Uh, she also works with catholicmom.com, who we've had several of their, their authors on. Great 
great resource, and I encourage you to go look. But we're talking to her today because of a book series and a book in particular that came across my desk just shortly after the quarantine started, a book perfectly made, tailor-made for 2020. Uh, It's the Stay Connected Journal for Catholic Women, Seeking Peace. And boy, do we need that today. Allison, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so thrilled to be here with you and to get to spend some time catching up with you. It's been a long time. It has been. Yeah, I tell you, I I I got this book. OSV sends me a lot of their books. Um, and, And so this just came in one day and I don't typically on this show, pick up books that are, are labeled for Catholic women, just because that tends to be a genre that I don't feel like I have a lot to say about, but I saw your name on it and I was so excited. So I I picked it up and I looked through it and, um, my, uh, my mother-in-law was staying with us at the time and she was dealing with some things. And so I gave this to her and she read through it and, uh, it just, it's just tailor made for 2020. And right, and right now we have not only everything that's happened this year, from, from, from fires to pandemics to everything else in the world, uh, now we also have an election cycle on top of it. And in the midst of that, one of the things that we see just throughout the, the, the whole, maybe magnified by the, uh, the election year, but, but really present throughout our whole year is the polarization in our society that that comes from the algorithms on social media that that pit us against one another um, and kind of appeal to our lower natures. And that disconnection creates isolation and that isolation creates anxiety. And so I, I love, first of all, that the journal is called Stay Connected because there is something to that as we sit with one another and we recognize that we belong to one another uh, there is some piece that comes from that as well. Um, but but you wrote this before 2020. So let's talk about what brought you to the place to say, hey, this is an important book uh, that, that we need to put out there. Well, if uh, worrying was an Olympic sport, I'd be a gold medalist. So I have been a worry wart since I was a little girl. Uh, the world has just always caused me great anxiety. It's part of my genetic makeup. Uh, it's also part of the, the culture of which I grew up in, a very unstable environment growing up. So I have always worried. And I wasn't able to, not con- it, it can- controlling is not a, the right word, but that's what's coming to mind right now. But I was never able to kind of live with that worry and still have my life, even though this is how I kind of operate in it, in anxiety and worry and fear, uh, until, I, until I met Jesus. Mm-hmm. When I had my Catholic faith, and, and realize that God gave us everything we need to navigate this life. Like I call it the grace trifecta, prayer, sacrament, and scripture. Once I had those three things in my, in my life, in my toolbox of worry, I realized I could seek and find peace regardless of what's happening around me. The world is falling apart. I retreat to Jesus. I go to him in prayer, I go to him in scripture, and most importantly, I go to him through the sacraments. Even when we were, quote unquote, separated from the sacraments because of quarantine and all of those things, I knew the sacraments still existed. I knew that the grace could come through my computer screen, can come through my my television, 
that God can permeate the world and bring the sacrament, my baptism sacrament, my baptismal sacrament stays with me always. That grace never goes anywhere. I don't have to physically be anywhere to have that grace. My marriage, uh, the sacrament of my, uh, the grace from my sacramental marriage, all of that stays with me. So knowing that God has given me this grace, this undeserved yet freely given gift of his spirit within me, this is where I started to realize I find peace. And once I discovered this and found it, I'm like, I need to share this because I know I am not the only person who worries. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one of the things that struck me as the quarantine first hit was how quickly the, the creativity of our, of our priests kicked into gear of putting the, the, the blessed sacrament in a window so that there could be parking lot adoration or, or having outdoor processions with just the priest. Uh, one priest that, that I follow father Joe Krupp out of um, uh, the, the diocese of Lansing, he got in the back of a pickup truck and was driven through neighborhoods uh, holding the blessed sacrament, doing this procession through the city. And in even in our as you as you mentioned the quote unquote separation um, that we that we perceived even though we were never truly separated um, the efforts that many of our priests went to to help us recognize the the presence of the Eucharist when we felt its absence we had two priests go to the air they took two monstrances on both sides of an airplane a little airplane and they covered the entire diocese and they had the flight pattern online so we could not only hear them and see them but we could see them uh where they covered it was it was amazing one of the priests before they went and did it he had like a little meme of himself and he's like hold my beer like He said, we're about to do something amazing. Hold my beer. I'll be right back. And it was just so perfect. And then they they covered our diocese with Jesus in the in, in the Blessed Sacrament. Like, really, you're right. The creativity mm-hmm. is, I've seen such beautiful, amazing things as my role in the Fall River Diocese. I am the social media person. And I uh, said the highlight of my quarantine was teaching our bishop how to do Facebook Live. Like, how many people have that on the <laughs> resume, right? Like, to see him, you know, know that the importance of this, and he is Brazilian, so he's like, we're, we're seeing the Mass in English, we're seeing the Mass in Spanish, we need the Mass in Portuguese. Mm-hmm. And so he learned how to do Facebook Live, this bishop, and he sat and did it all by himself because he was quarantined alone because he's an older man, and he was broadcasting the Mass in Portuguese, across the world. People in Brazil were watching. We had people, obviously, across the United States watching, not just our diocese. And I thought, Mm -hmm. this is the power of Christ in the middle of a crisis. Mm -hmm. So I want to come back to this book, this Stay Connected, Seeking Peace, A Spiritual Journey from Worry to Trust. One of the things that strikes me about this book is it is a, it's a journal, um, Mm -hmm. but it's also a devotional, but it's also uh, an an invitation and a guided retreat into prayer. Uh, and what I love about this is that so often we we read a self help book and uh, and then we put it on the shelf and we kind of recall some of the things from it. But there's something about the process of meditating and writing that helps solidify things for us. And there's something about going to prayer that 
appropriates that from knowledge into spiritual practice. And I love that you have given us uh, your own experiences, but then you've put it in a way of saying, okay, now let's take that and let's put it to scripture and let's put it to prayer and let's put it through your own thought process so that you can see that what I'm saying is true. It was really important for me to include the scriptures, but to, to really ask women to open up their Bibles. Mm-hmm. I just give you the address. Right. If you notice, I, I give you lines in the address because I know in my own study of scripture and doing Bible studies for over 10 years now, women, book clubs, things like that. I, the, the author may have said, go to Philippians 4, 6. But really, what the Lord had to say to me that day was Philippians 4, 8. You know, mm-hmm. whatever is pure, whatever is good. Like, I don't know how the Holy Spirit wants to talk to you. I just know how he talks to me. And I know the transformative part of my life was discovering him through the scriptures. So it was really important for me to create a book that shared story, because I think storytelling is how we connect as people. But I also wanted people to discover their own story and to discover their own relationship. I I hear all the time when I'm doing speaking that, how do you hear the Lord speak to you? Like you talk about God speaking to you. How do you do that? And I said, it was really in learning the scriptures. It was spending time in the word of God you start to hear his voice more clearly. So I wanted to create it to create a, a, what I call stay connected because it was stay connecting to, to stay connected to God, to your own faith. And I also wanted women to come together and stay connected to each other. It's really designed perfectly for small group uh, Bible study as well. And this is a good segue to say that while we're talking about this specific volume, the, the one about seeking peace, the journey from worry to trust, this is not just uh, uh, the format of this single book. You have a whole series of these. You've written another one, but you've also um, uh, in, encouraged and invited other writers to come and be a part of this uh, to put together a, a full series. So if you finish with this book in your small group and you want to move on to another one, you can keep the same format and enter into one of these other books. Yeah, we were blessed to have six of them so far. I'm praying and, and you know, obviously God's will and, and whatever he wants, but I'm hoping that we will have more. But I really wanted, in being in Bible study for, for 10 years, I realized that there are so many amazing Catholic uh, books and for women out there, but some of them are kind of long and you can get that fatigue of studying. But I didn't want our group to disband again, that stay connected. So I really wanted to create something that was kind of like Bible study for dummies, right? Like (laughs) not that I'm calling women dummies, but (laughs) it has the beginning and closing prayer. And it has the structure to it that again, if you like it, we have five other ones so far. We have one on the um, liturgical living liturgically. We have one on the fruits of the spirit, one on the Catholic classics. There's so many amazing Catholic classic books out that people look at and go, I would never be able to read that. I would never understand it. So I found a Catholic librarian and she made sense of it. But all of these connect to the scriptures. There's discussion questions. There's pondering questions for yourself. They really are just this inspiration I got in adoration and I can't believe the Lord brought them to life. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to go back to that comment of of Bible study for dummies because you you backtracked (laughs) on it really quickly. And yet one of the things about... One of the things about scripture, though, is that it is uh, eminently accessible, but it is uh, unfathomably deep, right? So you can have this really simple introduction and say, hey, here's a thought that I had. Come 
and join me in that thought at this place in the scripture where I had it. And then, like you said, you just give the reference because who knows where it goes from there. Um, but it could be for someone who doesn't feel very comfortable with Bible study that this is a great place to start because you've connected multiple verses together, let them see the theme that that threads throughout, and you're inviting them into that place where if they don't have any experience, they can still get something out of it. But if they do have experience, uh, it's not limited to that. Whereas you, you get some of these quote-unquote books for dummies and it, and it just kind of leaves it where it is. Um, that's just not the way that Scripture works. And I think back to St. Therese and the Little Way, that that we need those little access points to be able to enter into the faith and find its fullness Absolutely. And our, and our faith is so amazing. I grew up Catholic, but I, my family was, you know, Christmas, Easter, mm-hmm. Ash Wednesday, Palm Sunday. My mother loves the bargain. So she'd show up for the free stuff and we would go and we absolutely, you know, it was like culturally we'd go to mass, but I didn't know anything about my faith at all and especially scripture at all. And I didn't even know that our mass was scripturally rich. It was in studying uh, scripture in Bible study that I, when I was still going to mass on Sundays, uh, but really just showing up to kind of check the box that I went just, you know, case yeah. this is all real. When I get to the pearly <laughs> gates, I can show my perfect attendance, even though I wasn't focused at all or paying attention. But when I started to study his word, I was sitting in mass one day and it just, it was a light bulb went off. Like, wait a minute, that was in my Bible study. Oh, wait, <laughs> I get this connection now, right? I was like 36 years old. Oh, we our mass and our Catholic faith is scriptural. It is deep. There's a relationship. I didn't know any of this. And so once I discovered that, again, I really felt this draw to share it. And I brought to the Lord, like, you need to have people out there sharing that our faith is accessible. It is, I love that you said it's it's so deep, but yet it's it's so shallow. I think maybe a bishop said that it should be. Uh, mm-hmm. The scriptures are deep enough that an elephant can swim in it, but yet simple enough that a, or shallow enough that a mouse could tiptoe or something. Right. Um, I'm completely destroying that quote. Sorry, Bishop. <laughs> 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 or Saint, whoever beautifully said that. Um, but I, I really find that the State Connected journals I've seen um, across the, the, the world, they've been studied, the military women of... Um, mm-hmm used it to, for some of their Bible studies. So I've heard from women across the world that it really is this access point where if you don't think that you know enough to do, to do a Bible study, suddenly you do. And I love that women come together and discuss, because I think that's another part of our faith that we can have experiences ourselves with Christ. But really, when we discuss this with other people and see their, their experiences, their struggles, their triumphs, that this is when it all starts to bloom into something even more beautiful. We're talking today with Allison Jingris about her new book, Stay Connected, Journals for Catholic Women. Uh, this specific volume is Seeking Peace, A Spiritual Journey from Worry to Trust, available on our Sunday visitor, osv.com. We're going to talk about some specifics of what you can do. So if you're having a worrisome year with this pandemic, this conversation is for you. Join the ongoing conversation over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. There's so much more right after the break, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, TL. And today, as we are right in the middle of an election cycle, we're right in the, uh, hopefully, toward the end of the craziness of 2020, um, here on this, the Feast of the Holy Name of the Blessed Virgin Mary, uh, we are talking about seeking peace. Uh, there's a, a beautiful book, part of a, a Stay Connected Journals for Catholic Women series. This is written by Allison Jingris, and uh, it is a spiritual journey from worry to trust uh, available on our Sunday visitor, osv.com. Allison, thank you again for joining me. I'm so thrilled to be with you and speaking about this journey. It's, it's one I know that I'm not on alone. <laughs> Well, and, and you've been on it for a while, and it's one that, that you know, yeah, it's still a journey, right? As, oh, yeah. As much as we overcome it, you know, it's like, all right, I'm doing, I'm, and this has been my own experience as well. Uh, you you get through this episode of worry, right? You have this thing, and you, uh, you just stew on it for maybe six months to a year, and then somehow you find this beautiful resolution. You're like, oh, Yes, I'm done. I've learned that lesson. We're good. And then like two weeks later, the next one pops up and you're like, wait, God, oh, yeah. we, God, we already went through this. We learned this lesson. Why are we back? <laughs> yeah. He's so, always perfecting us. Always. So I, I opened this book and, and it, it took me off guard and I don't know that it should have. Um, but the book is all about seeking peace and the chapter headings, just when you go to even the table of contents, they all start with building trust, building trust through life experience, building trust through the divine physician and so forth and so on. And I love that your answer and your antidote to worry is trust. It's not coming to, um, to, to figure out how to manage your life better. It's not boundaries. It's not any other thing. It's simply recognizing that, that God is capable of getting us through it and finding a, our trust in him. I learned that from the Blessed Mother. It really, I, growing up, I, again, I, I didn't have this strong faith. So, of course, I didn't have a relationship with Mary, with the Blessed Mother, and when I looked at her life, I thought, why is this woman so peaceful? Like, we never hear about Mary complaining or losing her faith or struggling and, and you know, getting angry with God. She just stays the course. She stays peaceful, uh, filled with grace. And I thought, what is it? What's, what is it she does? And it's, she trusted God. And th through our whole life, we're going to have these struggles, like this just part of our fallen nature, part of our falling, fallen world, there's always going to be something that's going to make us worry. Well beyond 2020, we're going to find things that are going to make us worry and struggle and doubt and fear. There's going to be pain and suffering. But I find that when we trust that what God tells us, his promises, that he'll make good from all who love him, right? That Romans 8, 28 that he's there, you know, will never be abandoned, will never be forsaken, that he is with us till the end of time. When we can hold on to those promises, onto those truths in trust, we don't get toppled by the experiences and the uh, circumstances of our life. Yeah, they're going to, they're, there's going to be pain. And, and honestly, I just read this great article about the true happiest people are the people who feel the feels. You know, like <laughs> if you're sad, be sad. 
if you're scared, be scared. Like if you try to fight against your nature, you're, you're not going to be a happy person. But the people who allow themselves to feel what they are feeling, but not be overcome by it, those are the happiest people. And when I look at the Blessed Mother, I mean, she's pure joy. And happiness, as we know, is fleeting. Joy can never be taken from us. And I really feel like that joy, when it's built on trust in what God promises, is where we find peace. You know, this the feeling all the feels reminds me of a conversation that my wife have had that my, my wife and I have had um, more more times than I can count. Uh, more so, particularly earlier in our marriage, the question that she often asked was, "I don't, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this." And, mm. and my response is, "Well, you you feel what you feel, and then and then we can we can go from there." Um, but I think that a lot of us have this idea that. Oh well, I, there is there is an appropriate response and an appropriate emotion that I should be having to this, rather than acknowledging that the emotion is what the emotion is, and then we can build our thought based on that. I think one of the worst things we've done to ourselves as Americans is said that you know it's weak. You're weak if you show emotion. You're weak if you're you know not not afraid or you know not struck like not willing to show that this isn't easy. You're not always strong. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're falling apart. Sometimes it's okay not to be okay. A friend of mine, her husband is um, just been given weeks to live mm -hmm. and she's only they've been married for 30 years. They're only in their fifties. And she wrote to me and she's like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I I'm just, I'm crushed. I'm like, yes, it's, you should be. It's okay not to be mm -hmm. okay. It's okay to say that the only person, the only way I'm going to get through this is to hold on to dear life to God, because he's the only one who's got the strength to really get us through that intact. <laughs> well, and not only do they, do we, have we been conditioned to say that, <clears throat> oh, well, if I, if I ex experience emotion that I'm not strong, we think that we have to be in control of our emotions rather than to be in control of ourselves in the midst of our emotions, right? And I think that there's a difference there. Um, <clears throat> we have to allow ourselves to experience the emotion, and then we try to make wise decisions in the midst of that. But instead, we just put a dam over all of our uh, emotions, and we control what comes out. But the problem is, is that emotions are going to have their power in whatever place we put them. If we allow ourselves to express them, uh, then then we have the process of going through it. And we through that process of expressing emotions, we process them. If we keep them inside, we don't process them. We keep them hidden. We keep and, and so while we think that we're in control and that's the face that we put forward, uh, in reality, we're just undermining the foundation of our dam, as it were, if we, to keep that metaphor. And there's actually a part in the book where I talk about the light in the dark. Mm -hmm. And you kind of just kind of give me the perfect segue, because when we keep things inside, we keep them in the dark. Mm -hmm. Who's the prince of darkness? When we express them, when we bring them into the light, we then give them to the prince of light. We mm -hmm. give them to Jesus. And I think there's, a, we can really lie to ourselves there is a, um, 
in that darkness in our own head, things always seem heavier than they are. I've been speaking with women and they'll say something out loud and they're like, oh, wait a minute. Now that I've said it and I hear myself saying this, it, it doesn't make any sense. But in my head, you know, I felt crushed by this. I felt um, like it was making me less of a person than I was. It was really bringing my anxiety to the roof. But when I spoke it out loud and even if, you know, to somebody else, but even just saying it and giving it to Christ, like, oh, wait, this isn't as is tough or as dark as I thought. So I really feel like that I, that whole analogy, like just picturing, like, uh, so I'm I'm a child of the '70s, so I think of Electric Company, and there was a, a, a it was actually Morgan Freeman who was easy reader, and he would speak out loud, and these words would come, and you'd see the words flying through the air, and I thought. That's the image. Like when we speak these things out into the light, they go to Christ. Like the Holy Spirit grabs them, takes the groanings of our hearts, and he brings them to God. And in that, he re- the, the one answer to every prayer I've ever had has been peace. Mm-hmm. I don't always get what I've asked for because God is in a, a slot machine. But <laughs> I always get peace. Yeah. And that's the message I really wanted people to take from Seeking Peace. Book. Back to this idea of of the way we process emotion and the way that we in America and maybe in the West in general tend to say, Oh, well, it's not good to express our emotions. Um, I wonder how much of uh, the stigma from, from mental illness comes from this idea that we don't talk about what's going on inside. And so if you're depressed or if you're struggling or if you're dealing with something more than just worry, but dealing with something uh, that, that truly is deeply devastating. Oh, well, keep that, keep that to yourself, uh, which just, again, makes the problem worse. How much better would it be if we as a people could, could share with one another, as we are members of one another, we belong to one another, if we could share our thoughts with one another without fear of, uh, of isolation? Oh, well, if I say the wrong thing, they're going to judge me and push me aside and marginalize me. Right. And so one, I think that this is important for us to maybe pray toward, but, but two, just as much as we're going through these things now, we can be the safe place for someone else who is going through it as well to, to give and, and doing a, a small group with this book is one way to do it. This, uh, seeking peace, spiritual journey, um, is to create an opportunity and to create a safe place for people to begin to express their worries and express their anxieties and be supported in those things uh, for the purpose of saying, hey, when the big thing comes, you're still going to be safe. Building mm-hmm. trust through connection and community. Absolutely. I'm always the person looking for something positive on social media. And one of the things I have seen being a person who does deal with mental illness and, and have it in my family as well as my own um, struggles, I have seen that stigma start to lift a little bit because people are willing to talk about it. One of the things I, my uh, uh, ADD, I have OCD and I have germophobia. And for years, people have just kind of made fun of my germophobia. And even I myself have kind of made fun of it a little bit. But now everybody's kind of getting a little taste of how exhausting <laughs> A little, it's a little exhausting yeah. being afraid of germs and having to sterilize everything and being afraid to touch things. And uh, it's been a, a great opening to take this and say, okay, well, this is what I've dealt with my whole life, um, mm-hmm. but yet bring light to it. And people are being a lot more sympathetic 
Um, but it's also giving me a chance to also work on it and, and try to better myself, but then trust, you know, that I can touch the store knob. God's got my button. <laughs> I, I think there is social media has definitely helped give a door to start to open and talk and lift that stigma a little bit. It's interesting that you say that this has given you an opportunity to work on it, because if it were me, it would have given me an opportunity to say, see, I told you so. <laughs> well, that wouldn't be very trusting. So I, <laughs> I have to kind of sometimes live what I, you know, live what I preach. <laughs> like I get caught in that a lot. God's like, you know what? You've just told a bunch of women that they have to trust me, but I don't see you doing that girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> so you, you have really any of us have a number of opportunities to trust in God. We all have these things in our life that um that create the uh, maybe this is the best way to say it we all have ample opportunity because god wants to give us this opportunity to realize that the world does not revolve around us and we cannot really affect change on any lasting level without putting our trust in him so we're all going to bang our head against this wall of anxiety eventually because god wants to bring us out of this idea that we're self-made or some way that we are uh, able to control our own destiny and move us into a place of saying, take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. One of my favorite, favorite scriptures is in Matthew. I think it's 625. Uh, I'm Catholic. Don't quote me. So <laughs> somewhere in Matthew. <laughs> it's in there. It's in, it's, it's in that it's general area. Pretty sure it's in Matthew six. He says, can any of you add a moment to your lifespan by worry? And it was in reading that I had this huge aha moment. I, I, I get on that hamster wheel of worry and think that I'm affecting change by worrying. Like that somehow I'm stopping the inevitable because I'm worrying about it. Because like you can't, you can't, you can't add a moment to your lifespan. You can't change the um, what is happening, but you can change how you respond to it when you, as you said, pick up your cross. And I love that Luke, the doctor mm -hmm. says, pick up your cross daily. Matthew yeah. says, pick up your cross, but Luke adds daily. Thanks, pick Luke. up your cross. Yeah. Thanks Luke. It's an apple a day, Luke, not a cross right. a day. Get this right. <laughs> he probably did write an apple, but he's a doctor. So nobody could read his writing. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> So we have we have this this beautiful book uh, available on OSV Press OSV.com, uh, the Stay Connected Journal for Women Seeking Peace: A Spiritual Journey from Worry to Trust. We've talked about the way it's put together. You should go get it, and you should go get it now. Uh, Allison, I'd like you to leave us with an example from your life of of a way of a story that you moved from a place of worry to see the superabundance of God's grace to provide and brought you to a place of trust? I think the best example of that is the adoption of my daughter from China, who is deaf. I am a worry wart. I had never really been on an airplane. The idea of even leaving the country, going to a communist country, and just never really entered any of my thought process. And even adoption was a little scary and overwhelming to me. But once the Lord put that on my heart, and I continued to pray with this little nugget of thought in my head, uh, I watched him work miracles in my life where I never worried a moment 
when I was in this process. And we, we, we went, I thought for sure at some point I was going to chicken out, but I didn't. And 10 years later, my daughter, Faith, who I had to name her Faith because it took all the faith in the world I had to, to go through this process as people with no money, the God provided, we saw the God of providence providing us the money to get her. We saw the, the God of goodness uh, teaching us how to love this little girl who was three years old when we brought her home with zero language. She has taught us so much. And I, I think that if I hadn't allowed God to prove to me his trust and to trust and hold on to his promises, uh, she was actually from, she's from Wuhan. Hmm. So, uh, and then after we got her home, we realized that she had scoliosis uh, so severe that at 21, she probably would have passed away from it. Her life and watching Faith and seeing what God did in her life, this little girl from Wuhan, China, uh, it just amazes me. She's thriving. Her scoliosis, we had a miracle uh, through St. Gemma Golgani with it. I think if there's any example, it's it's my daughter, Faith, for sure. Mm -hmm. We're talking about today with Allison Jingris. Go pick up her book on OSV, Seeking Peace, A Spiritual Journey from Worry to Trust. Allison, thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. If you missed any part of my conversation with Allison Jingris, you can get it over at OutsideTheWalls.com and listen to the whole thing again. Maybe you heard something in there that made you think of someone else. You wanted to share that. Well, the good news is you can do the same thing. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com. It's going to be the top episode right at the top of the page. You can share it on social media. You can share it in private. Um, But make sure to help get this message out to those who need it most. Now, if something Allison said really, really resonated with you, I want to let you know that there is more to my conversation with Allison. All uh, all of our Patreon supporters get an extra segment each and every week with a couple extra questions and a deeper dive into the topic. And so if that's something that interests you, I want to encourage you, while you're there at the website sharing this week's episode, OutsideTheWalls.com, up in the top right-hand corner is a link that says support the show hyphen Patreon. Our Patreon supporters make sure that we have the resources we need to keep this show on the air. And so I encourage you, go over and take a look and see if that's something you might be interested in. Now let's go ahead and turn our attention to our readings from Scripture and from church history. That's the sound of our Verbum Library launching up. You can get your Verbum Library by going to Verbum.com, get a 30-day free trial, and see what you think. Our reading today from Scripture comes from the Gospel of Luke, and we hear this. One of the multitudes said to him, Jesus, Teacher, bid my brother divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or divider over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of all covetousness. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, 
whose will they be? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life or what you shall eat, nor about your body or what you shall put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouses nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a cubit to the span of his life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O man of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be of anxious mind. For all the nations of the world seek these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and all these things shall be yours as well. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Provide yourself with purses that do not grow old, with a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is... There will your heart be also. That reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, and boy, does it have some things to tell us today. But I think all of these instructions get put into context by this statement. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's the the linchpin here. That's the crux, and that's also the crux of the book uh, that, that Allison wrote is that we have to build our trust in God, that he is who he says he is, that he will do what he says he will do, and really to have a proper expectation of that. Um, What does it mean that he will provide for us all things? Uh, Because we might have one picture of what that looks like, and God would have another picture, because God's ultimate desire is to make us rich in the things of heaven. And if we are focused on being rich on the things of earth— and we we place our trust in the fact that he will do that, we're going to find ourselves disillusioned and, and potentially um, distrusting of God even more because we have put our trust in the wrong thing. We've trusted God to do something that he did not say he would do. What he has said is that he is going to provide for our needs. And sometimes we have to really get a good sense of what our needs are. And so that brings us today to our reading from Church History, which comes from a homily by St. John Chrysostom. Life, to me, means Christ, and death is gain. The waters have risen and severe storms are upon us, but we do not fear drowning, for we stand firmly upon a rock. Let the sea rage. It cannot break the rock. Let the waves rise. They cannot sink the boat of Jesus. What are we to fear? Death? Life to me means Christ, and death is gain. Exile? 
The earth and its fullness belong to the Lord. The confiscation of our goods? We brought nothing into this world, and we shall surely take nothing from it. I have only contempt for the world's threats. I find its blessings laughable. I have no fear of poverty, no desire for wealth. I am not afraid of death, nor do I long to live, except for your good. I concentrate, therefore, on the present situation. And I urge you, my friends, to have confidence. Do you not hear the Lord saying, Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst? Will he be absent then when so many people united in love are gathered together? I have his promise. I am surely not going to rely on my own strength. I have what he has written. That is my staff, my security, my peaceful harbor. Let the world be in upheaval. I hold to his promise and read his message. That is my protecting wall and garrison. What message? Know that I am with you always until the end of the world. If Christ is with me, whom shall I fear? Though the waves and the sea and the anger of princes are roused against me, they are less to me than a spider's web. Indeed, unless you, my brothers, had detained me, I would have left this very day. For I always say, Lord, your will be done. Not what this fellow or that fellow would have me do, but what you want me to do. That is my strong tower, my immovable rock, my staff that never gives way. If God wants something, let it be done. If he wants me to stay here, I am grateful. But whatever he wants me to be, I am no less grateful. Yet where I am, there you are too. And where you are, I am. For we are a single body, and the body cannot be separated from the head, nor the head from the body. Distance separates us, but love unites us, and death itself cannot divide us. For though my body die, my soul will live and be mindful of my people. You are my fellow citizens, my fathers, my brothers, my sons, my limbs, my body. You are my light, sweeter to me than the visible light. For what can the rays of the sun bestow on me that is comparable to your love? The sun's light is useful in my earthly life, but your love is fashioning a crown for me in the life to come. That reading comes from a homily by St. John Chrysostom, and oh, that we would hear his words and be given a share of his faith, that gift of faith that leads us to trust in God, that brings us to a place of peace that passes all understanding. May God grant us that faith, that hope, and that peace in these uncertain days. That's all the time we have for today. Today's show is brought to you by Phil and Tina P. And all of those who support the show through Patreon, go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link, and join their numbers. Until next week, let nothing disturb you. Let nothing affright you. All things are passing. God is unchanging. Patience obtains all things. Who has God lacks nothing? God alone suffices.